Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Quran and I. Alhamdulillah, hamdan kathira. I am extremely grateful and extremely excited for everything that this episode has in store, mainly because of the amazing sister friend that I will be talking to today. Um, Quran and I is a concept that I had in mind that was actually not so much triggered, but brought to the front of my mind because of the Palestinian crisis. Although we know that more than 70 years, the people of Palestine have been under extreme siege and occupation. I have always felt very, very useless. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with just how helpless you feel when you see your brothers and sisters suffering. But one thing that's always been hope inducing for me is having a relationship with the Quran. The Quran is the antidote to sadness, to helplessness, to feeling like this world is everything. And I thought one thing that I can do and that I'm I've been blessed with is being able to contextualize the Quran and bringing it into our everyday. We might not be able to change the world overnight. We might not be able to change our families overnight, but we are able to plant a seed within our hearts that allows us to reconnect with Allah. And when we reconnect with Him, we're able to see the world for the minuscule, lowly thing that it is. The Prophet wasallam said, الدنيا ملعونا ملعونا ما فيها إلا بذكر الله and the Prophet ﷺ often mentioned that this world is cursed and this world is lowly and the only thing that holds value in this in this dunya is the remembrance of Allah so today and inshallah for every other interview that I have with the amazing people in my life I hope to show just how naturally they contextualize the Quran and connect to it and how that allows them to overcome hardships in life, how that allows them to really embrace happiness and blessings in life and how that allows them to stay connected to Allah throughout this imtihan test of a journey that life is. So without further ado, I would love to welcome my sister, my friend, my confidant, Maya Baffo. Maya, I would love to introduce you the way that you deserve to be introduced, but I don't know how I could do that. You are so many things to so many people and you do all of these amazing roles with such beautiful grace. And I wish I could say who you are in a few words, but um, if I was to describe you, I would describe you as an amazing sister, amazing daughter, and a very passionate Muslim. Uh, there's so many more elements to you, but the first thing I want to ask you is, 
I know that there's all these roles that we have that we play for other people, but ultimately the main role is that we are a servant of Allah. So when we meet him, the only opinion that will matter is his opinion of us. So if I could ask you to try and describe how you would want Allah to see you on the day that you meet him. And welcome, 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 welcome. Maya Bafo. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. What the, I'm so excited, a little nervous, but honored to be on your podcast, honestly. Like, oh, this is such an amazing question. Um, and I think it's a, an amazing question because we've always sort of went back to this one point of who we are to Allah, right? Who we are to Allah on the day that matters, which is Yom al Qiyam. Um, and Allah's opinion of us is the one that matters the most. It's the his rida, his pleasure, his his love, his his rahmah all comes down to this one point, who we are to him. And I think, oh wow, this this is I can go to so many different points with this. And like you said, we are many things to many people. And in the past, it really did affect me how I am I fulfilling my rights with people, my duties, my responsibilities, you know, as a sister, as a, as a daughter, as a friend, you know, all of these different roles. And I think one thing that genuinely helped was going back to this point, who am I to Allah? Um, and I think if anything, on the day that I do meet him, uh, I hope that Allah ha- knows that I tried, that I didn't stop trying despite my faults, despite my numerous sins, despite my negative, maybe my negative opinions about my circumstances or or my, my sadness and even my happiness as well. I hope Allah tells me that he's pleased with me because I tried and I continued to try and I didn't stop, even to the very, very last point. First of all, you gave me such a lovely introduction. <laughs> you know, I don't know if, um, I don't know if I would, yeah, I think it's uh, far beyond what I imagine myself to be and I hope Allah makes me better but Amen. I generally think to myself I mean Wallahi like I always say to myself so Zunga's Quran is the compass through which I navigate this dunya which most of the time I don't know how to then I, I've won I've won Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah I definitely have overcome so much in the last couple of years with you alongside me and likewise for you and the Quran has always been what we've used to uplift each other in times of extreme darkness and and what we've used to allow ourselves to not have survivor's guilt when we are in a moment of joy and blessing and alhamdulillah for that it's definitely something that we've grown accustomed to doing from a young age and it is the greatest blessing of our life and if anybody can learn or anybody can be inspired by the way that you view the world through the lens of the Quran then alhamdulillah hamdan kathira we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he grants us light and that he makes us a light not so that we can be seen by others but so that through us they see him um, I have a few quick fire questions for you to begin. So, are you ready? Go for it. Go. Okay. Away. So, 
we're talking about journeying with the Quran and I know the Quran has such a personal relationship. We have such personal relationships with the Quran and I would love to know a quick uh, couple of questions about uh, your relationship with the Quran and things that have resonated with you, maybe more so than for others based on your own circumstances. So the first question is, Maya, what is your favorite surah and why? Oh, I love this question. And you know what? It changes. It really changes depending on the season. It changes depending on, I think, the situation I'm in. Um, but I think one surah that has been consistently my favorite, and I think it's because it was the first surah that I memorized with my favorite Quran teacher, Umar Qayyah, um, in London, and it's Surah Bakhra. It's Surah Bakhra. And I think growing up, I thought, I thought, you know, learning sort of Baqarah would be the most, and again, you know, Allah made the Quran easy, but we always have the, the viewpoint, you know, sort of Baqarah being, you know, two and a half chapters, you know, it's, um, you know, we think it's very lengthy ayahs, very, very in-depth when it comes to, you know, legislations and, um, and prohibitions and uh, stories. And so to be able to have learned the Quran uh, starting with Surah Baqarah actually and I'm still learning Alhamdulillah was such a, an amazing feat and it was only for Allah's rahmah but definitely Surah Baqarah you know me, me my sister Hiba we always have um, I think you know whenever we are in moments of happiness or moments of, of stress we always ask ourselves what is our relationship with Surah Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran and you know, we we you know, whenever I call her, she may have you read Surah Bakhara? Have you been reading? Um, you know, what is your relation like That's with the so Quran in particular? Yeah, <laughs> we we do it all the time, and I didn't realize we did that until now, actually. So whenever she's in moments of you know test, we I always ask her, you know, how is your relationship with Surah Bakhara? And she always asks me as well, you know, and is yeah, definitely Surah Bakhara to to answer your question. <laughs> That's beautiful. You really went and chose the longest, <laughs> the longest chapter in the Quran, um, the longest surah in the Quran. What is it about Surah Al-Baqarah? Because Surah Al-Baqarah is one that for me, it's, I look at it more, Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran as surah that are filled with with rulings and often the, the surahs that have a lot of rulings in them they're very heavy they're hard to memorize they're they're hard to retain um so what is it about surah al-baqarah i know it's filled with amazing stories but what story in particular or what ayah in particular really resonates with you in surah al-baqarah i think with surah al-baqarah what i love about it of course with every surah it's um it's definitely, you know, some people look at the prohibitions and the legislation, something quite, you know, not necessarily heavy, but quite, um, it takes a while to memorize. And I think for me, I love rules. I I work, and you know me, Warda, I work with rules and 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 regulations and, and systems and, and routines. And, and alhamdulillah, the Quran gives me that and Baqarah. Baqarah gives me that I need to know what I what I shouldn't do and what I should do and when I should do it and how I should do it. And, you know, I think I was listening to a, a scholar in, in America and he said that he would did a khutbah about the prohibitions and, and the rulings in Islam that we have to be very, you know, conscious of. And Ariba was in the in the audience and he came up to him and, uh, you know, the scholar was saying to him, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, this, uh, you know, come another time, you know, we do talk about other things. And and this man said something so beautiful and it really resonated me with me. He said, I love the fact that Islam has rules. 
I love the fact that Islam has rules because he grew up uh, you know, in his childhood where there wasn't that many rules. And alhamdulillah, I, I had an amazing childhood, alhamdulillah. But I work best with knowing what to do and what not to do. I like you know, the clear-cut rules based in, in Surah Baqarah, basically. Do you know why that's so interesting? Is knowing your personality and knowing that you are such a rebel. Because that's where we that's where we unite. It's we are big rebels, right? But subhanAllah, somehow the rulings of the Quran are the only things that keep us grounded. And thank Allah for that. Because I feel like when it comes, <laughs> when it comes to everything else, yeah. like if it's not Allah's law, we're above it. Like literally, we're just like, yeah, oh you're God, not allowed to. Like the door says, do not enter. We're like, so what's inside? Let's go inside. That's um, it. Yeah. There's a reason it's, why it says don't enter. That? Exactly. Right. And do you know what I realized as well? Literally, if it's not my prerogative in life, so as long as it's in the perimeter of the Sharia and Allah's pleased with it and it's not illegal, then it's fine. So be it. You know, I will go. Then forward. it's why not? <laughs> right? It's why not? So that's Literally why I find why it amazing. So, yeah. I find it amazing that the surah that you resonate with the most is the one that you found the most uh rulings in that you resonated with the rulings because it gave you that structure that maybe the the dunya wasn't able to 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 reel in we were like yeah there's rules and there's laws and there's things that we need to do but if it's not allah's law we're like hmm maybe it's worth breaking so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah there's wisdom in everything and there's definitely wisdom in uh you gravitated towards baqarah I think definitely when it comes to sawdas and favorite sawdas, it's, it, you're so right. It's in seasons. There's a season where Baqarah and the rulings within it and the stories resonate with you more. And then, then you want something maybe a bit more hope inducing. And then you gravitate towards a surah like Yusuf alayhi salam, surah Yusuf and maybe surah Maryam or something that's a little bit more hope inducing story. So that's so interesting, alhamdulillah. And I didn't know that about you either. I knew that Baqarah yeah, had a big part of your heart, but I didn't know it was because of the ruling. So that's very interesting. It um, does. And it, it creates some sort of like system in my mind. And I think one thing that, again, really resonated with me with sort of Baqarah is, you know, with society and rules and is very inconsistent and I hate inconsistency with the Quran it gives me that level of consistency I know what I'm getting I know who Allah is through the Quran right and is a Huda is a Furqan is all these beautiful beautiful names that the Quran has so I can rely on that I can rely on it it's it's bankable I can bank on the Quran being consistent but I can't bank on society being consistent I can't bank on people or the image of or beauty and the you know the the concept of success and all of these things i cannot bank on it and it's not safe for me to do that but with the quran it's bankable especially in such an ever-changing world as well exactly exactly there's another surah that really resonates with me as well is um is surah buruj because what's happening in palestine so i had to memorize surah buruj and it was just, it was such an eye-opening surah, even though I've read it numerous times, right? You know, I think there was an ayah in there that really, really hit home. And Allah says, um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, that part. Mm-hmm. So Allah is saying those who, who, who killed the mu'min, the, the Muslim, right? The, those, the believers, for them, if they don't repent, right? That part really, really resonated with me a lot. Because I thought, if Allah has this level of 
you know, there's a possibility to come back to him in Toba and to come back to him in repentance, even by committing that horrific crime of, of, of you know, killing someone who believes in Allah, then imagine us, right? Imagine imagine the Muslim. And I think Surah Buruj definitely no came to life way. for me. SubhanAllah, Allah is my witness. I read Surah Buruj today for Muraja'ah and... That was the exact ayah that stood out to me. Wallahi. And that was the exact context, subhanAllah. I literally just read it to my teacher. And I was, when I was on the Thumma Lam Yatubu, and Allah saying, and then they don't, they don't repent. And those, these are the ones who killed the, the believers. The first thing that came to mind is what's happening in Palestine. And the first thing that came to mind is, subhanAllah, like those who believe in Allah will continuously be tested in this, in this way over and over and over again. Like, like a beautiful thing that you you always mention is nothing that happens to us today hasn't happened before. Bani Adam seen it all, you know, from the time of Adam alayhi salam until now, we've seen it all, we've been through it all, and things just keep repeating. So seeing that the people of of the trench and the 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 nation that were were punished because they believed in Allah in that severe way, and seeing what Allah said. It's beautiful to be able to relate that to what's happening today and to give our hearts sakina in the best way that we can have sakina, have tranquility, knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never left those that were t- tortured before and will never leave those who are exactly. being tortured now. And he will elevate them to ranks unheard of. And b- finding that type of solace in history and stories in the Qur'an that we can apply to today it's it's amazing, but I'm amazed that the exact thought that I had while reading Buruj today is the exact thought that you had. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That's, that's just amazing. And subhanAllah, that's been on my mind since, actually, subhanAllah, that's been on my mind since I actually went to Palestine. And especially just came to life because of what's been happening the last couple of weeks or, you know, it's been happening for, what, 75 plus years. And one thing that was just so beautiful again that really I've read this numerous times. So when Allah says and that's in Surah Buruj, right? Because we see what's happening. Like you would see what's happening to the people of Palestine. May Allah bless them and elevate them as something like, oh, this is it means that they're not loved, right? But Allah is saying those who are being killed, those who are being harmed because of their belief in Allah, they are loved. Allah is wahuwa al-ghafurul wadud, right? And it's so amazing how Allah paired those two names, right? And I find that fascinating, subhanAllah, that despite your circumstances, and this is what I tell myself, despite my circumstances, they're not indicative of who I am to Allah, right? Because we see, oh, um, something, a musib happening to someone, or someone, someone's sick, or someone, something's happening to someone. Oh, something wrong with their iman. Oh, um, Allah may, might be displeased with them. We don't know if Allah loves them the most, right? They could be the most beloved to Allah. And so for Allah to say, to me, is just magnificent. It just really hit home that Allah is wudud, that he is love, and he's wudud, right? And he is, it just, it really, it made me think about all the times that we may have been tested, good good and bad, right? Because remember what the Prophet Muhammad said, whatever happens to a believer is good, right? It's, it's good. Um, when, when something bad happens to them, they are, they are, uh, they have sabr, when something good happens to them, they are shakir, right? And they are grateful. So that surah really reminds me of Palestine. It really does. That's so beautiful because uh, especially the ayah that you just mentioned, um, 
that ayah comes right after Allah talking about those who are punished and persecuted. And I love that you really looked into the pairing of those two names because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very intentional in everything that he does. And when there are two specific names next to each other, there's a reason. They complement each other. And there's something very specific about wudud that I absolutely love. And it's very, it doesn't come up very often in the Quran, uh, the name al-wudud. Um, I think only a few times, but I could definitely please do correct me. But I think it's only a few times. And wudud is, comes from the word wid. And wid is a deep, deep form of love. So in Arabic, we have many forms of mentioning love. So uh, you have hub, you have ishq, you have, you know, many different ways of saying love. But wid, wudud, comes from a very deep type of love. And to think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after mentioning that these people were being punished for what, for believing in him, he coupled him being the forgiving um, with him being loving. So he forgave them for their sins and he loves them. And I love that you mentioned that those who are being punished aren't always being punished because of their sins. And I know that's something that's been coming up a lot recently. People are saying, it's your sins, it's your sins, it's your sins. And yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may expiate our us in this world for the sins that we do but when you look at the MBA, no one was tested more than them you have the MBA who are tested over and over and over again the prophets were the most tested the most beloved people to Allah are the ones that are the most tested and often the ones that are most beloved to him are the ones with the least sins they're the ones who are constantly in dhikr constantly in istighfar so to couple the two and to say that everything bad that happens is because of our own sins and not because of you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe raising us in rank in the next world or maybe expiating us for other for, for other things to make our standing before him easy people always go towards that it is your own sin. And we know that it definitely can be because of your own sin. But go towards the loving side of Allah as well. It could be to expiate you, to raise you, to honor you, to make sure that you come before him sinless, to make sure you come before him um, in an elevated uh, station, to make your adab in the ghabr less. There are so many reasons for pain and suffering in this world. And it doesn't always come from a wrathful place. And I think that's very important for us to talk about because it's definitely been a common theme with seeing how the ummah are suffering. Um, and it's important to know that not everything comes from, you know, punishment. Not everything is punishment. Um, so alhamdulillah for our loving Lord, He is the forgiving, the loving. And if we gravitate towards that more, then we understand that He forgives. And subhanAllah, one ayah that was on my mind today, especially, I randomly get ayahs that just pop up and I, I take it as I take it as a beautiful reminder from Allah. But today the ayah that popped up um, in my mind is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, he was talking to Rasulullah in the Quran and he said, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ He said to, the, to Rasulullah and I will not punish them while you are among them. And then obviously for nations like us, we... Ha, we entered a world without him. Rasulullah, Rasulullah sallallahu wasn't in the world when we came into it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala followed that up with, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ مُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ And I will not punish them so long as they seek forgiveness. 
So long as they're Allah. turning back to them, turning back. That's to actually him. one of my favorite ayahs. Actually, I, I when I heard that, it was the most hope-inducing ayah for me because that that part doesn't stop until we meet him, until we die, right? And then we can still have Allah's, you know, rahmah and his forgiveness. Hopefully, on the day we meet him and stand before him too. But I, I love, love, love that ayah. Well, that answers my next question then, because it was, what is the most hope-inducing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I the, have a few. <laughs> the most hope-inducing ayah for you in this chapter of your life, because mm. remember, we say everything's like seasons. You connect with the Quran in different ways based on different chapters of your life. So in this chapter of your life, what is the most hope-inducing ayah in the Quran to you? Oh, wow. I have so many. And um, I think f- for me now, I think I've kind of, dealt with a lot of the traumas that I had growing up which is I think it's just part and parcel of dunya sometimes um, because dunya is not is not perf- perfect so I think now I love the ayah and correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong Warta, um, I think Surah Maryam when Allah says uh, those who believe and do good deeds for them Allah will bestow upon them love right and it's so amazing because i could talk about this forever but you know we seek things in dunya that we can find forever in allah we seek acceptance we seek love and care and comfort and success and all of these 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 very um these things that should be long right that should have longevity like we can only get in akhirah but we can we seek in it in a place that's inconsistent, that's imperfect, that is very short term, and we won't ever suffice us. And I came to that conclusion actually, subhanAllah, actually, when, when I went to Palestine. And I realized something that dunya will never be enough, ever, ever then. And you know me, you know me what I'm very black and white with things, like I said before. And mm-hmm. because I realized that it will never suffice the void inside of me, the only thing that will, will just will just fill it is Allah and his worship. So, for example, growing up, I was a, a sort of a people pleaser, actually. I, I love making people feel comfortable and happy. And it kind of did become a bit consuming, actually. And it always came from a level of guilt. I always felt like people being sad was somehow me I have to fix that I was always a bit of a fixer as well so I always needed to find solutions I had to always find you know make people happy and you know always came from a place of I I feel guilty that I didn't feel happy and then I realized that I am seeking their happiness my happiness was connected to other people's happiness which made me happy and also their 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 pleasure and their them being pleased with me right it is people pleasing in me and so I realized that all of these things that I'm seeking, whether it's, you know, in my family, in my in my friendships, in, in my career, interest in life, I w- it will never be enough. And I think it was so, sort of a solemn moment of like realization, a bit of sadness, because I thought, hmm, you know, decades of trying and I only just realized now. But alhamdulillah, I realize now that not in about, you know, another 30 years, but doing it will never be enough. So that ayah in Surah Maryam made me realize that whatever I'm seeking, I can seek with Allah and that is forever. Do you know what that reminds me of? Um, a saying of the Salaf. I want to say Ibn al-Qayyim, but I could be wrong. Um, and he said that the love of the one that you are chasing is in the hands of the one that you are running away from. And I think that definitely speaks to Bani Adam. We seek love of others. We seek praise from others. We seek rizq from others. We seek so much from Bani Adam. 
even at the expense of disobeying Allah sometimes. And we forget that it's all in his hands. Everything that you seek is with him. So you can't gain what's with him by turning away from him. And if you do gain some of it, it's not going to make you any closer to him. You're running away from him to get to something that's only with him. So it doesn't make sense. And to be able to come to that conclusion at any stage in in life is it's freeing, it's liberating. When you know that the people's love won't do anything for you if Allah doesn't love you. The people's acceptance will do nothing for you if Allah doesn't accept you on the day that you meet him. The people's praise and their 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 status, the status that you have in their eyes will be of no avail to you on the day that you meet him if you have a lowly status to Allah. And it always reminds me of the stories of the righteous and their secret ibadah, that they would have that that secret devotion between them and Allah, that there is no witness. There is no no witness other than him. There's no audience other than him. And I think that has definitely been a huge thing for me in this chapter of my life is your audience. As Benny Adam, for some reason, we care so much about what beings made of dust and bone think. When most of them don't even have good thoughts about Allah and Allah is free from all imperfections. We are trying our best to make everyone love us and see us in, as a certain in a certain light in a certain way but ultimately in the end the only opinion that matters and has any standing is Allah's so for me I've tried my best to think of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as my most valued audience if I am doing anything he needs to be the audience that I am performing for if I'm a type of person who has a certain skill set I need to be able to use that skill set to perform and make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala my audience. Because in the end, especially in this specific chapter, I even got a bracelet with it with it inscribed so I could always remember. Um, I think it was Imam Malik, who said, and the only thing that remains is what's done for Allah's sake. Everything else perishes. Everything else is gone. So if you want to stack up for the next life, make sure that whatever you do is connected to him. And if it is not connected to him, it won't be something that reunites with you on the day that you need it most. It will be dust. It will be completely useless to you on the day that you meet him. So I love that ayah. It's it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the aim, is the goal, and his love and acceptance is what we should seek. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, kathira. Um, I did want to ask you what the most fear-inducing ayah for you yeah. is. <laughs> and then we'll go back to a positiveness. So the most fear-inducing yes. ayah for you at this current chapter of your life. You know, it's. Um, I think I probably had this fear from a very young age and probably, you know, just exacerbated when my dad died, Arrahamahu. Um not knowing how you're going to die right like you can you can be living a you know casual day you know and i think the prophet muhammad said that he said do not if you reach the evening do not think you'll reach the morning and if you reach the morning do not think you reach the evening so for me it's just concept of like good end i think it was husn qatim i think when you have a good end and i i think i think i've spoken to you about this as well that you know 
we don't know if our deeds will be accepted. We don't know our level of sincerity. We have no clue. And I think that just is so mind-boggling to me because, you know, everything else in life, you kind of see the results somehow. You know, I'll give you an example, a random example. You know, if you go to the gym, eventually you see results, right? You eat good food, you see the results. You do well at work, you see the results. Yes, they might not be to uh, you know um, the results that you want but some some level of results for me how I see in my mind we won't know who we are to Allah until the day we meet him until the day we die and by then it's too late and it scares me it's, it's a very frightening thought and I think one thing that um, scared me is that I saw the early Imran I remember is Allah says um, Islam. you know the religion that's accepted by Allah is Islam and so if you die in anything other than that that's it there, there is no way that Allah will accept your good deeds if you do not die as someone who said and believed and acted upon with sincerity la ilaha illallah and followed Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa right and so in my mind I'm just thinking I, I don't know I have no idea and it reminds me of this ayah which I was reading today again, Surah Bahra, and when, you know, Ibrahim, and I was having this conversation with my brother, because bless him, he he did like a cake sell for Palestine and him and his friends. And Aww. he was saying, you know, he was, yeah, he was just so, so adorable, mashallah, may Allah bless him. And he said, and he was talking about, you know, the ayahs about charity, how Allah multiplies it. And I said to Ahmed, there's an ayah when, you know, Ibrahim and his son, Ismail, were building and raising the Kaaba, I think it's, from I remember, I could be wrong, but he says, right? And I, re- I always remember that, you know, Ibrahim did uh, one of the greatest acts, which was to raise the house for Allah's worship, which people will be going to on the day of, until the day of Al-Qiyam, right? Uh, subhanAllah. And he still asks Allah for acceptance, right? And this is the Prophet, one of the, one of the, you know, beloved prophets, well, all the prophets are beloved, of course, but one of the major prophets uh, and messengers and someone who was, you know, Hanif, right? And who, who worshipped Allah when no one else worshipped Allah. And, you know, nations came from him and he still asked Allah for acceptance. And I think that's what scares me the most. Um, we don't know who we are to Allah. And we won't know until the day we meet him. And by then it's too late. So my Quran teacher always tells me, so always ask Allah for a good end. Um, but in order to have a good end, I mean, I mean, in order to have a good end, you have to have a good life um, up until those days before that moment happens. This reminds me of the Sahaba when um, the Qibla was changed. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Qibla to change from Jerusalem to Mecca, to the Haram. And they were terrified. They kept thinking, first of all, Quraysh was making fun of them and, you know, saying one day you face east, one day you face west. You don't even know where you're facing. And this was a huge test for the Sahaba. And they were worried. And their main worry was, will our deeds done while facing Jerusalem be accepted? Uh, how about our salah? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُذِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ And Allah will never allow your, your good deeds to go to waste, your iman and your faith to go to waste. So if you do good, you'll see good. If you are, are sincere to him and you do as he ordered you to do, it will be accepted. So we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
rectifies our intentions and allows us to make his acceptance, his observance, his love, our main drive in everything that we do, from our family to our occupation to our home life to our marriages to raising children, parenthood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it so that everything that we do is something that's accepted and something that's heavy on the scale and something that makes us beloved to him on the day that we we meet him. And that's of my most favorite du'as is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the best day of our existence the day that we meet him. I thank you so much, Maya, for just such a heartwarming conversation. And that's why I always love talking to you. It's just a burst of energy, a burst of khair. And there is nothing that brings the heart to life more than remembering the one who made it. So jazakallahu khairan. I pray that inshallah we can have you back soon. Please keep us in your dua. Please keep the ummah in your dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be servants that he loves, accepts, and is pleased with. Jazakallah khairan, Maya. Huyaki, thank you so much for that. Thank you so, so much. And we will speak to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.